And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network has incredible podcasts like the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. The podcast is hosted by Jeff Brunsbach and Jay Nathan. Now, Gain, Grow, and Retain is built to inspire SaaS and technology leaders who are facing the day-to-day challenges of scaling. Hosts Jeff and Jay share conversations about growing and scaling subscription businesses with a customer-first approach. If any of these topics sound interesting to you, you're gonna like the podcast. Creating more brand advocates, SaaS as a predominant model for business, customer success at scale, or the challenges of integrating new tools with CSM. Some of these topics pique your interest. You're going to love the podcast. You're going to love Gain, Grow, Retain. Go check it out wherever you get your podcast. Remember, Gain, Grow, Retain on the HubSpot Podcast Network. Today, my guest is Chris Rudigrap. He is the co-founder and CEO of Sendoso, the leading sending platform. Chris has more than a decade of sales experience and has spent time at TalkDesk, Yapstone, and Picora. During that time, he discovered that creating meaningful engagements through direct mail and gifting was an effective way to drive demand and increase sales, which helped inspire the idea for Sendoso. So what did Chris and myself speak about? Well, we spoke about his origin story, how he started Sendoso, why he jumped into entrepreneurship after he quit the game once, uh, at what point did Chris decide to move from working for a company into going full-time entrepreneur? We spoke about some uh, tips and ideas and lessons for launching MVPs. We spoke about how he took Sendoso to market and how he got his first customers. We spoke about at which point should a founder migrate from the sales function to focusing on higher level vision for a company. Uh, We also spoke about some sales lessons that Chris has figured out through his career that he implemented at Sendoso and what he means by co-selling. And then lastly, uh, the vision that Chris has for Sendoso and why every entrepreneur has to have a vision and how Chris uh, basically defined his vision for the company. And then lastly, the decision-making process that Chris goes through when deciding what new initiatives to take on and why his decision-making process has been so integral to the success and the growth of his company. So let's jump right into this. This is Chris uh, Rudigrap, the founder and CEO of Sendoso. So to give you a little context, I'm Chris Rudigrap, the CEO and co-founder of Sendoso. I started Sendoso about five years ago. 
Prior to that, spent about 10 years in software sales. Um, I got my uh, entrepreneur bug in, in college, actually. So I started a company called All Student Rentals in college, uh, made it easy for students to find housing, pay their rent online, find roommates, um, ended up selling that into a company in San Francisco, and then uh, worked my way through a handful of different startups in uh, mostly account executive roles um, to where uh, at my last company prior to starting it was a company called TalkDesk, and it was there where I was an AE and you know, I found myself sending out a gazillion emails, but wanting to <clears throat> figure out how I could be a little bit more creative and add some new touch points to my outreach. So I started to write uh, handwritten notes. I'd grab swag from our swag closet and ship it out. I'd even like, go on Amazon to find quirky gifts uh, to, to ship to me. Then I'd ship it back out to the prospect and all worked really well, but was just intensely time consuming and just kind of uh, hard to do. And so I just dreamed up one day, like, why isn't there a platform that allows me to click and send something? And here we are today. So uh, Sendoso, for those of you who don't know, we are a sending platform. It makes it easy for other companies to send out, you know, direct mail, corporate gifts, handwritten notes, you name it. You can send anything out, part software, uh, part fulfillment centers. Um, and, you know, you can send it out through HubSpot or other tech stack tools you use. Very cool, man. Okay, so this is like your second iteration of entrepreneurships. You had one successful venture exit, then you just jumped into corporate AE and now back to Sendoso. So um, why jump back into entrepreneurship after one exit? Was yeah. this something that you've always wanted to do? Yes. And so I'd say that first exit was um, mildly successful. Like I wasn't able to buy a yacht or an island or anything. So it was uh, <laughs> it was a nice taste of success and made me feel good, but <clears throat> you know, uh, it wasn't, you know, monumental wealth creation. Um, it was, uh, also, uh, you know, we were only about, uh, 15 employees when we exited. Um, <clears throat> so rather small. Um, and I really felt like I didn't know enough to do it again. I wanted to learn from other entrepreneurs, uh, see how other companies scaled, um, and being kind of a, a part of that, but not being the sole purpose responsible for that. So I was kind of a secret entrepreneur in training, so to speak, watching other entrepreneurs and seeing what to do, what not to do. Um, and then kind of in the back of my mind, I uh, was always kind of thinking about what's the big pain point problem that I can solve. And I, I remember one of the things I used to do, I had this email address, it was uh, 365 ideas at gmail.com. And I would, you know, try to train myself to be like, what is it? What is the nasty pain that I'm experiencing today? Trying to get in that habit of figuring out what's the, the, the biggest next thing that I could start. But it, you know, it took me eight years per se to land on Sendoso and that kind of just happened. So yeah, but so walk me through what, what just happened means because I think everybody, I think a lot of people are in roles. Uh, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are probably in like SDR, AE roles and they're like, wow, I wish I could start a company that solves a pain point in my job that I'm already experiencing. But it's, it's, not, even, it's not even easy to pinpoint that. So what do you what do you mean by just happened? Was this a side hustle? Did you go get a tech to, like a technical co-founder? Are you a developer? I have no idea how you started Sendoso. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you know, I think the the point of the three hundred sixty five ideas mention is that I try to train myself to think about pain points, and I think that's something that's hard enough to do. You know, you go through your day to day, and you might feel it's hard to to pinpoint problems that you could solve. So I think you know, scenario one is how do you get better at problem identification, um, and then also sleeping on it and not like, you know, one hour after you find a problem, like 
quit your job. It's like, Hey, I would, you know, email myself these ideas and check back in like months later and being like, that was dumb. That was dumb. That was dumb. And, you know, so there's a bit of that, I think is step zero, which is how do you get better at pain point identification? Some people just land on it because they're in a certain industry. And, and this is, you know, basically how Snowsuit got started is I felt the pain of packing boxes, uh, mixing that with like, Hey, this could be easier. And then the kind of the aha moment came on. And then that's when I had to go into, okay, how do I start a company mode? And for me, I have a sales background, um, you know, graduated with a business degree in marketing. And, but I did know that there's sites and tools out there that can kind of get you to the next step. So actually my first iteration was just drawing things, drawing my idea for the software to uh, send stuff in uh, on paper, then transferring them online through some mock-up tool. Um, and the original version was actually called coffeesender.com. So that was like uh, MVP version one of Sendoso. And it was really a Salesforce app that I could click a button in Salesforce and send a Starbucks coffee. And there was a digital e-gift. And uh, so that was like, I think mentally entrepreneurs are like, oh, I want to solve this problem. Like, oh, this is too big of a problem. I have no idea where to start. Like, I'm just going to not start because it's overwhelming. So for me, it was like, what's the least overwhelming thing that I can actually do and conceptualize? And so Coffee Sender was that. Um, and, you know, drew up the mock-ups, found someone on Upwork for five grand um, and found a, an engineer that could build it for me. And so it cost me five grand. I got a Salesforce app, a website, and now I've got Coffee Center going. And for $6, you can buy a credit to send a $5 Starbucks coffee gift card. Um, that was kind of the model um, and just told my friends about it. I started using it. Colleagues used it. Um, and pretty quickly, there was tens of thousands of people using it, um, including, you know, my current co-founder now, Brayden, who was using it and was another AE and was like, this is awesome. Uh, we, I knew him from college. He ended up just kind of using it by, uh, by way of hearing about it. And then we were drinking beers one day and we're like, we, we should send more stuff. Um, and then I ended up quitting my job at uh, talk desk to say, okay, I'm going to figure out warehousing and logistics and build that. I just want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Manscaped. I want you to set your New Year's resolution with good intentions. I want you to set a resolution that you can actually keep and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Now, if you don't know what that is, I'll explain in a second. But if you do, you need to take advantage of our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code 20success for 20% off and free shipping. Now, what's Manscaped? Well, Manscaped is the global leader in below-the-waist grooming. So now you can take your below-the-belt grooming to the next level with their Performance Package 4.0 and brand-new Ultra Premium Body Wash. In the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. This is an electric trimmer designed to trim hair on loose skin. And just know that with the Lawnmower 4.0, the advanced skin-safe technology reduced cuts and nicks to your most delicate parts. It also comes with a 4,000K LED spotlight that will shine a light so that you don't mess up when you're trying to clean up for a great 2022. And of course, the grooming routine isn't complete without smelling good. Apply the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver before showing off your 2022 Manscaped self. These unique formulas take care of the smelliest parts of your body, 
keep you smelling fresh. This is a big boost in confidence that you need in 2022. And to complete the set, Manscaped threw in their shed travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs as free gifts. So you keep all those parts stored comfortably wherever you go. And lastly, that new product I mentioned, the Ultra Premium Body Wash from Manscaped, is the perfect addition to your daily grooming routine, but in the shower. I shower every day, and I hope you do too. And body wash smells great, but this is more than just body wash. It's cologne infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice, and moisturized. Kick your discomfort and your poor hygiene to the curb. Use the best tools for the job and get 20% off and free shipping with the code 20success at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code 20success. It's a new year. No pubes in 2022 with Manscaped. What was the point when you actually quit your job to jump into Sendoso full time? Yeah, so it worked out well where my co-founder Braden. So probably I had Coffee Sender going as like a night and weekend. Uh, By the way, that's project. a really cool in and of itself. That's a, that's a, such a useful tool for a sales rep. Yes. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. It was, uh, you know, paying, you know, beer money and, and then some. So that was kind of the original goal is just like, can I pay my beer and rent from this? And it was doing hundreds of thousands of dollars in maybe the course of like six-ish months. Um, Brayden, my co-founder, was at a scenario, was at a kind of a crossroads at his, at his last job that he could quit. Um, and they were already be kind of being sold off. So it was like good timing. So he actually quit his job about three months prior to me. So he was working on coffee center full time while I was like, nah, this is not a, you know, a billion dollar idea. I can't quit my job. I'm making, you know, two fifty and as a sales rep, like be crazy to quit. Yeah. Um, and then it just started to snowball and I started to see more success with it. And I said, Hey, this is my chance. My wife got behind me and said, Hey, if you go and create a, a platform, you know, at the time we didn't know the name was Sendoso, but if you can go build that, like, let's try it. What's the worst that could happen in my eyes. I was, you know, a rock star, a AE. I could always go back to being an AE. I, you know, I could, I could sell anything in my opinion. I think I had the confidence there. Um, and so I basically just was like, waited till one of the quarters ends. I think sales quitting in sales is tough because there's always like, I got a, another deal that's illegal. Like when can I quit? <laughs> so I just put a date in the sand and said, all right, you know, it was uh, end of Q3, uh, 2016. And I said, I'm going to quit today. I'm going to quit that date and I'm going to work backwards. And, uh, you know, my CEO at my last company, uh, was, was also open to that and he's an advisor now. And, um, quit that day. Then it got back to square zero where I had no money really coming in. Um, we decided to kill coffee sender and then I had to go back to figuring out, okay, let me sketch up what Sendoso is going to look like. And I spent probably nine months being a, you know, product engineering person, uh, building the infrastructure and new software. Okay. So nine months. So, so what was the, what was the day when you actually took Sendoso to market? How, what was the MVP of Sendoso? Like, cause you actually had like a pre MVP. So yep. what was the, the first launch of Sendoso? Yeah. So that was about the summer of 2017 and we had a platform where you could log in, create a user, uh, set a user up with some budget. Um, we had a, you know, a myriad of different things that you could send on demand. We had all the gift cards, so not just Starbucks, but any gift card. Um, and then we had, uh, our first warehouse was in, uh, Chinatown in Las Vegas. Um, and so we had this little warehouse, probably the size of a bedroom 
and we turned the lights on and said, hey, anyone can sign up. You know, we'll source stuff for you. Uh, we have some stuff available on demand and or you can send us swag that you have in your office to our warehouse. We'll organize it, put it online for you so you can virtually see what inventory you have left. And then you can click a button in Salesforce and HubSpot. We had um, Marketo. We had a couple other integrations. Um, and you can, you know, I think Salesloft and Outreach. We had kind of hacky integrations with them before they even knew what an integration was. So um, we were like their first integration partners because we had built this like Chrome extension that put a button in their platform um, and it overlaid it. And so they were getting like support and uh, customer success questions about Sedoso. And that ended up uh, driving us to be one of the first launch partners on stage at both their conferences, like two or two or so years ago. That's awesome. <laughs> so you built up, you built basically forced them. You moved that you forced their hand to, to build out this. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So MV, so what are some MVP lessons that you could, you could talk to the audience about that you experienced you had the first MVP, then you sort of had like another Sendoso MVP. Um, was it too early? Was it too late? Was it just right? What are some things people should think about? Yeah. So one of the things that I did is like, I, there's a ton of ideas that we got that I had that my co-founder had that we started to get from customers. So we really wanted to like, what's the, what is the best product we can get out that will work? And then let's backlog all the other features and come back to them. And we constantly were like taking out things. So I was like, what's the best thing we could ever build? And then let's take out everything that, you know, is going to take time and, and effort and delay us from launching. So I think some entrepreneurs will kind of feature creep and add a million things. And like, let's just get something there that we can start getting uh, customer feedback on. So I think that was important is just like, you know, drawing a line in the sand and going for it. Um, I think with you do that a lot, by the way, that's, that's smart. Yeah. It's very smart. Yeah. So that was big. Um, I think, you know, ultimately uh, we then need to figure out, you know, from an MVP perspective, you know, uh, for us, we were in, you know, an outsourced model in the beginning where we, 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 so it was like, how do we, how do we conceptually budget for this? Um, and so we had kind of like, what's the MVP and then how much, how are we going to start budgeting hours thereafter? Um, so I know some co-founders will have an engineer where there's maybe uh, not that hard cost, but if you, you find a outsourced agency to help you, um, you know, we, we, budgeting was an important part of the early days. So we didn't go through all of our money because we were bootstrapped. We were using our own money and some of the money from the coffee center project. Um, so I think budgeting in the early days for engineering specs, um, yeah. So I think those are the, the, the my lessons was really get something in the market. And then, then you got to kind of test, you know, uh, pro besides product market fit, like what's the, the pricing model and, and how does that fit um, and start to build on that to then getting to a place where you can test to see if you could even like hire salespeople and have a sales, you know, a, a, a CAC to LTV ratio or, a, um, you know, can you hire SDRs? Do you have, you know, what's your price point to afford that as part of your, your CAC? So, um, then it became a, a less about focus on product market fit and more of like go to market fit. I just want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Athletic Greens. Now, I'm super happy that I partnered with Athletic Greens because I literally use them every single day. Now, I've known about Athletic Greens for a little bit only because I tried them about two years ago, way before uh, they decided to sponsor the show. And I noticed that in winters, when I didn't take Athletic Greens, I would get sick as a dog. When I did take Athletic Greens, 
uh, I wouldn't get sick at all. So it turns out that when you take one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're taking and absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. So this is incredible for your immune system. And the special blend of uh, all of these ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, your aging. So I take it one scoop every single morning. It's lifestyle friendly, meaning whether or not you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, it's gonna fit that diet, which is important for me because sometimes I like to go a little bit low carb. If you're already taking a multivitamin, this can completely replace that. It's important to choose a high-quality vitamin with ingredients that your body will actually absorb. Athletic Greens definitely takes care of that. And it's way cheaper than actually getting all the different vitamins, supplements, ingredients if you're going to buy them separately. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash success. That's right. That's a special URL they put together just for Success Story podcast listeners. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash success to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay. So as you're, okay, so you're, so just to describe some terms, so customer acquisition costs, CAC, and then your LTV is lifetime value. And then if, if you aren't in sales, if you're, if you're not, if you're not in the sales arena, the SDR sales development rep, um, and all these, these things are just important metrics for success as you're taking a product to market. So you, uh, you were trying to remove as many features that weren't mission critical as possible. You figured out not only product market fit, but go to market fit. That's I think that's the term you use, which is I like that a lot. Um, okay, so how did you scale up? And and Sendoso was you mentioned potentially hiring SDR, so it's not pure SaaS play. You obviously have some sort of mid or enterprise market play as well. So how did you first sell Sendoso to the market? Yeah, so my co-founder and I, both being in sales, just immediately started reaching out to prospects. So it was like, okay, let's build our target list, let's enrich that list, and let's outbound to that list. We, you know, did your typical multi-touch outbound and got meetings, demos, and closed customers. And so we, uh, our pricing model was a you know a SaaS annual subscription. In the very beginning, for the first couple of months, it was a, a month to month. Uh, we quickly realized that we could we needed to go annual. Uh, we also, uh, you know, uh, were able to kind of up our prices after a few months too, as we realized we were significantly underpriced. Um, we also had the benefit of of hiring like a really awesome COO early on. She was like one of our first our first um, investors turned employee. So she was analyzing like, okay, you're selling this way too cheap. You're not going to be able to afford, you know, to scale. And so once we kind of right sized pricing and uh, you know, we realized that we could outbound and get meetings and close deals. We then said, okay, let's hire a couple ADs and a couple SDRs and see if we can have other people who are not the founders sell. Um, and then that was like Which once the challenge. Sometimes. Yeah, once that uh, started working, then I think it was more like we knew we had something because then you can figure out formulas thereafter to pour fuel on the fire, which is ultimately you know raising venture capital. So then you can uh, hire people ahead of you know profits and then scale out faster. What at what point do you think in a company should you migrate the sales function from the founder? to a sales team? 
Uh, I think it's early as possible, to be honest. Oh, well, I'd say it in two parts. One is founders should always be selling. Um, so I still sell today. Um, but uh, as soon as you can in the early days, I think it's important to realize that someone else, you, you need to, in order to be successful, you need to figure out if another human can get in there and actually sell the product and uh, in a way that, you know, founders are overly passionate. They'll do anything, you know, you might not even get paid as a, as a founder. And so like, of course you can get a customer for a cheap amount of money and you're not paying yourself. And you know, uh, that you're talking to, you know, your ex colleagues, boss, like you, you hack together your first couple dozen customers. And I think it's important to hack those together because then you have customer feedback, you have maybe some case studies, you have some references, but as soon as you checkbox all of those things, It's you need to immediately hire, in my eyes, SDRs and AEs to prove that you can have a sales model. And and I just want to, and I also want to understand, because um, we didn't even really, uh, we, we kind of touched on the pain point that Sendoso solves, but I want to like double down on that because obviously you having a lot of experience as an account executive and and using basically manual manually sending out items as part of the sales process. Uh, you have a, probably a f fairly significant understanding of what's broken in sales and why people should even bother. I, I should have touched on this at the beginning. I apologize. But why <laughs> people should even bother using physical items as part of an outbound sales campaign? Because not every team just, this is not like status quo. Yeah. This is not that every team does this either. And I think that's an important thing to chat about too. Um, so let's even talk about like a couple a couple sales lessons that you that you learned that Sendoso is solving for that you've probably implemented as an AE that you're using as your probably I'm assuming your own team is using to to scale Sendoso. Yeah, a hundred percent. We use Sendoso more than anyone. So I think as a an AE, you know, some of the areas uh, that are even true today was that you know you have to think about this kind of buyer experience and kind of multi-touch ways to get in contact with somebody, you know, uh, and that involves, you know, email, phone call, SMS, video, LinkedIn, you know, direct mail, Sedoso gifts, you know, uh, everything that you can do to get in front of somebody, you know, is going to help you better your chances. And I think it's a semi numbers game in that regards where it's like, what are, what's the optimal way that you can get somebody to, to talk to you and break through the noise. And if you're only doing email, then you're missing out. If you're only doing email and social, you're missing out. So once you incorporate, you know, uh, Sendoso in, it gives you just another shot on goal. And sales is all about, you know, as many shots on goals as you can. Um, that being said, I think the other thing that we're seeing in, in sales is just the evolution and uh, advancements of just tech in general and automation and everything else. And so one of the things that I believe Sendoso uh, does well is it helps reps be more creative too. And I think creativity is one of those soft skills that doesn't get talked about a lot, but you know, can help differentiate you from a, another a competitor with a similar product in that can you build better rapport with that prospect? Can you send them something more unique that is memorable and you know, they choose you, the person, um, not you know, the company product. So I think that's also uh, becoming ever more true in that, you know, maybe 10 years ago uh, when I was in sales, even before outreach and sales left, I, I was one of the first like Yesware and, and Tout App users. And like, that was like a secret weapon for me. It was like, oh, I can automate things like not, a, no one else can. But, uh, and so now you know, it's over automated. <laughs> yeah. And so now it's like, okay, let's take a, a step backwards and like, how do we re, you know, humanize the sales process um, and personalize 
And so that's uh, that's one of the inspirations for starting Sudoso. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, ExpressVPN. Now, I know most of you are probably thinking, why don't I just go incognito mode? Well, let me tell you something. Incognito mode does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you delete your browsing history. Your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without ExpressVPN. And it doesn't matter who your internet service provider is, ISPs in the U.S. can legally sell your information to ad companies. So what is ExpressVPN? Well, ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so that your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. When I'm using ExpressVPN, I can't even tell that it's on. It runs seamlessly in the background and it is so easy to use. All you have to do is tap a button and you're protected. And what's great is it's available on all your devices. So your phone, your computer, even your smart TV. There's really no excuse for you not to be using it. So protect your online activity today with the VPN that was rated number one by Business Insider. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash success story, and you can get three months free with a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash success story, expressvpn.com slash success story to learn more. Um, and how do you how do you track the ROI on because uh, say I'm a VP sales CRO, yep. I want to send these gifts, but I need to make sure that I'm tracking the ROI on sending this dollar value item so do you have um for example metrics or case even like a story you can tell stories are great um you know the roi on sending a certain dollar value item to a customer are these things opened more often all the all the things that a digital marketer would think through or or you know when you when you track like a traditional sales campaign that you can easily check open rates click-through rates conversion rates yeah. So I'd say one for specific like case studies and exact data points, we've got like 50 case studies on our website. So check it out there if you <laughs> want to read into the, the, the specific details, yeah. but at a high level, sure. um, you know, you're correct. Like digital marketer, uh, we kind of take that offline kind of black box what's happening and turn it into more of like a digital marketing channel. So when any, whenever anything's sent, it automatically tracks back to, you know, HubSpot, Salesforce. So now there's a paper trail, which previously really wasn't there. You know, when I was back in the day packing my own box, I wasn't like logging tasks in Salesforce. It was another eff extra effort. So now everything's automatically tracked. That data then can, with attribution modeling, can see if it's last touch or whatever uh, attribution you use, weighted average uh, attribution, you can start to see, okay, we sent them this. And then two days later, an opportunity was created. And so you can start putting the, the, the puzzle pieces together that way and track ROI. Um, there's also ROI of like, if I'm doing this myself back when I was in sales, like, okay, I'm going to spend two hours of my day doing this. Should I be packing boxes and sourcing things or should I be selling? And so there's an ROI of like the, the time of that rep. Um, which is uh, you know super crucial time you can't get back, um, and then the, you know there's other ROI that you know we kind of have a, a Costco model in terms of we can buy a bulk and pass those costs along to our customers, so we can buy things, ship things way cheaper than you could individually. So there's an overall ROI on just like the costs of goods and, and services. Amazing. Okay, and a couple other things that I, I hear you speak about often that I thought would be good lessons to teach over. Um, you speak about uh, co-selling with CEOs often. Mm -hmm. um, walk me through that, and and what's the what's the strategy for for that if you're trying to sell to I guess mid or enterprise? Yeah. So 
given my sales background, I think I've never stopped selling. <laughs> Even though as yeah. a C- CEO, you have to do a million things. I think whatever I can help our SDR or AE team, I am all about that. And so I'm really trying to empower my team to think about uh, co-selling. And so that could be uh, the AE working with me, and then I will then... Re, uh, reach out and collaborate with executives at that prospect. Um, I have a, a huge advisor network. There's about a hundred plus advisors. And so, you know, our AESDR or even our account management team can leverage me to then uh, use one of our advisors to help break into account. Um, so that's useful. Um, and so I, I, I think more than, uh, um, more than ever, I'm involved in de- deals and especially kind of the enterprise ones. You kind of just the the theme that you keep coming back to is like the CE should never stop being engaged or involved in the sales process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with that too. Yeah. I mean, uh, outside of just the sales process, I think you're kind of always selling, even to customers or learning uh, from customers um, or expanding customers. And so, you know, earlier this year, I did a 95 customer virtual roadshow. Uh, last year, I did about the same. The year before, I was in person, which I was only able to get to maybe 20 or 30. But this year, because it was virtual, I met with 95 of our customers for about a half hour each and learned a lot there and was, you know, learning and getting feedback, but also selling, you know, where's the expansion yeah. opportunities, you know, where are other areas that we can, uh, can, you know, help our customers use our platform and grow more. And how do you use how do you use that feedback for your business, your sales, your sales process, your product? Yeah, so you know, basically, I'll take a ton of notes. I'll record the call and, and transcribe and take notes. And after each one, you know, put together things that I can then say, "Hey, this information is useful for our product and design team. This information is useful for our product marketing team. This information is useful for our you know AE team uh, or our expansion team." Um, and so basically just trying to then action item it out. Um, and so that, you know, different departments can learn from each customer interaction. Is that, is that something that permeates your culture? Meaning does every executive on your team build a feedback loop into their particular business unit? I would say, um, others join me or others are doing this more the customer facing functions like our, maybe our CTO is not in, uh, doing as many customer roadshows as I am. But I think like I have a, my unique background in wanting to talk to customers, being in sales, uh, you know, building the product puts me at a really perfect place for, you know, talking product, talking expansion, talking use case, talking, you know, customer success. And then I can kind of distill that out. Okay. And that's obviously, you know, led to some, some measure of success. So where is, where is Sendoso today in terms of as a company, uh, what are your, you can talk figures, not specific revenue numbers. I'd, like, what is your vision for the company, and, and how long do you think it's going to take you to get there? Yeah, so just kind of size. So we've uh, about 450 employees. Uh, we've uh, raised about 55 million in funding. Um, we're uh, we'll see this year about 100 million spent on our platform, um, and we'll uh, you know be in kind of the. 20, 30 million range in terms of ARR. Um, so just going to give you some points there. Yeah. Uh, we, we see this being a, a huge, you know, a bill, multi-billion dollar public company one day. And so uh, we're just getting started. That's amazing, man. First of all, congratulations. I didn't realize yeah. that you were that, that you were that large. It's very, very impressive. And, yeah. and when you, I was going to, you know, just for, for you, this is like your first 
I, I, not first. This is like, well, it is. It's your first like very large uh, entrepreneurial success, even though like you've been, you have like a, you're, you're like a, a one, like every single time that you come up to, to bat, like you're, you're killing it. Like you never strike out with startups so far, which is actually not normal. So that's yeah. a good thing. Well, I'd um, say I've, I've definitely incubated different ideas in my brain that I just pulled the yeah. plug on. So I think yeah. it's, that's helped me in my uh, efforts in that, you know, I, just didn't like jump into something just because it was my first idea. Yeah, it's it's actually I love that um, that incubation idea and that 365 idea thing that you were doing. I think that's very smart because I think it just like qualifies out a ton of really shitty ideas. Yeah, that you would have had to have tried and failed and exactly. spent a lot of money and time. Um, and for you, what is your strategy process, uh, future growth, steering the ship, decision making process as you grow Sendoso? Do you have a specific framework that you follow? Is it mentorship? Is it, what is, what is it? I think it's a mix of a lot of things. I think it's one, it's, you know, a mix of, you know, having a vision that people can get behind, you know, uh, OKRs and, you know, in ways that you can track the success of the company going forward. It's, you know, uh, you know, always thinking about company culture and making us the best fun place to work. Um, you know, always trying to hire and inspire and grow the team as you know, kind of people are the foundation for everything. So, um, you know, and I think it's uh, you know, hard work, but um, I think about it as like a marathon, not a sprint. So mm-hmm. you've also got to, you know, live life, but you know, this is going to be a long, a long game. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. Now, you may have heard me speak about leveling up in the past, how we can level up our careers, our businesses, our customer experience. I wanted to take a minute and focus on that last one because when we level up our customers' experiences, we transform our customers into evangelists and help our business and our careers grow like crazy. With new features dedicated to helping your sales teams improve your customer experience, HubSpot is on a mission to help millions of companies grow better starting with yours. Conversation intelligence tools help your teams get real-time insights into calls with automatic recording, transcription, and call analysis. With more visibility into customer conversations, coaching, and customer feedback becomes that much easier. Easy share meeting links let customers see availability and book meetings for you all from the HubSpot platform. This cuts out endless cycles of scheduling email. Learn more about how you can transform your customer experience with a HubSpot CRM platform at HubSpot.com. And, and how have you managed How have you managed COVID? Were you already fully virtual before or was that something you had to figure out? Uh, so we weren't fully vir- virtual before, but we did have three offices, which uh, at, when we were a 50-person company, we were already having three different offices in three different locations. And so that um, already drove more collaboration than probably most companies when there are 50 employees all in the same office. So we already had collaboration and, you know, Zoom and everything else in our blood. Um, so when we uh, then when, as we scaled, I think we hit COVID, we were about 150 employees. So we've actually grown pretty substantially, maybe added about 300 people since COVID started. But um, we already had, um, you know, remote collaboration in our blood. So it was not too hard for us to then just fully go remote. Um, we also kind of day one, our executive teams uh, and investors kind of got 
put our heads together. And so for the first couple of weeks or month, there was more rigor um, around what the heck is this? How are we going to survive this? Um, but then we saw some big tailwinds from it. And we are actually a solution that benefited from COVID in, per, in terms of like people remote. How do you send things to people? All these field sales reps are now inside. How do they build rapport with prospects? How do we do these field events that are now all digital? How do we onboard new employees with swag? So, um, mm -hmm. You know, we definitely quickly started creating content and thought leadership um, and features for our product that benefited from what everyone was facing. And in terms of the the future, I you know, question for future of the industry, future of sales. Are there any things that you see that are interesting you in how we sell and how we communicate with customers that are going to trend in the next say five years that are different than now? Um, <sighs> I'd say the biggest thing is just there's just going to be an onslaught of technology that salespeople will use. I think if you look back 10 years ago, it was like, oh, I use Salesforce. That's like the one tool I use. Like, oh, maybe you use, maybe you're uh, early adopter and you use a Yesware Tad app, or maybe you use like a, you know, a Zoom info or something like uh, you were maybe lucky to do that. Um, and so now I think there'll be, you know, if you look into the next five years, there might be, you know, 50 tools a salesperson could use. And you really have to uh, take that as a competitive advantage and figure out how, how are you as an SDR or an AE or an AM, like good at using technology and learning it and, um, you know, mastering it. Um, I think I was, I tried to master Salesforce 10 years ago and I could run reports and find leads that no one else was working. And like, that was a, some of my secret sauce, but like now how to use all these other tools. So I think that's one is just the onslaught of tools and being good at using them. Um, and then I think two is some of those soft skills that, you know, automation, you know, can't, uh, you know, really control, which like creativity mm -hmm. and, uh, some of those areas of, uh, you know, skills that you build as a salesperson will be ever more important. And, and I guess one, I want to, I want to do a rapid fire just to pull some career insights from you. But sure. uh, one last question that I wanted to ask, um, one question that you would ask somebody who's in your position now, when you were starting out in sales, um, I would probably ask like, uh, Maybe what your what like draw me your org chart. <laughs> what is your? <laughs> I, I think it's really interesting to see you know from a company from zero people to now four hundred and fifty how the, your org chart grows and what are all these different roles you need to hire for and when and um, that's been something that's been uh, unique to learn and so I think like that would be a question that would be like you know really interesting to to understand. Um, and then also, where would people reach out to you if they want to connect with you, Sendoso? What's your favorite social or email or website? Yeah, you can always find more information on Sendoso on Sendoso.com. You can email me personally, Chris, it's K-R-I-S at Sendoso.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, and uh, I'm happy to chat. love talking with other entrepreneurs, AEs, um, you know, happy to get pitched a new, you know, cool tech <laughs> software that someone's come up with. I love hearing about the newest things. Awesome, man. Okay. Um, what was the, what was the biggest challenge that you overcame in your journey and how did you overcome it? Um, I, probably the biggest thing was really just making that jump from having hundreds of thousands of dollars going into my bank account to zero, um, and quitting my job. I think as an AE, it's, there's, it's always, there's always more money to ha be had like the next week, the next deal close. And so I just had to say F it. I'm going to, you know, uh, going to make zero money and hopefully the longer term I'll make, 
you know, way more. Um, that's a, that's a, that's, that's like psychologically, that's tough. Yeah. That's very tough. And all, you know, I didn't mention this before, but you know, whenever you leave a company, like, you know, that there's going to be like a battle for commissions that are going to be paid out like Mm -hmm. in like six months. You know what I mean? So that's, (laughs) all right. Um, if you had one person, there's probably been a few, but if you had one person who had a major impact on your life, who was it? And uh, what did they teach you? Yeah. So I would say one of the most, uh, one of the th- impactful things I remember uh, was uh, an entrepreneur in Chico. His name was uh, Chris Friedland. He started a company called Build Build.com. And when I was had my startup at uh, when I was in school in, at, at Chico State University, he was very inspirational. And seeing his success, like talking to someone in a you know in his office at a company that was doing hundreds of millions in revenue, and uh, was like, wow, I I could be him, kind of thing. And so I think that was an area that was very inspiring me to then, you know, see that I could make do this one day. Very good. Very good. Um, If you could tell your 20 year old self one thing, what would it be? Uh, Buy Bitcoin. (laughs) That's my answer all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Don't Um, worry about working anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I know. No, I'd probably just say, like, do what you're doing. I feel like I... Back when I was 20, I still had the the mindset of like, I want to become an entrepreneur. I want to go big. Like, you know, startups are cool. Like, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to have fun. And so I I think I wouldn't change my mindset or anything. Okay, cool. Um, And then uh, a source, it could be a book, could be a podcast you'd recommend people go check out that you've enjoyed. Yeah, I've I've got a couple podcasts I love. I love uh, Snacks Daily. Um, I love Acquired. Uh, how I built this. Those are kind of my favorite ones. Awesome. And uh, then most important question or last question, rather not most important, but last question, what does success mean to you? Uh, I think success is happiness. You know, if you're happy um, then, and then you're successful and, you know, for me, happiness comes with starting a company and, and, you know, being successful that way. But, you know, for a, you know an SDR listening, it might be hitting, hitting your meeting goals for the week and that's success. So I think uh, for me, happiness and what makes you happy. Um, if you're not happy hitting your goals, then you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, very good, man. Very good. I love that. Okay, that's it. That's all I got. Cool. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. 
Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials, but here's the 
best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success that's s-u-c-c-e-s-s to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with belay thank you so much indeed for sponsoring success story for all business leaders out there indeed is a lifesaver see we're always driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work, and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 